0: This show is part of the Modern Witch Podcast Network. For more shows like it, visit www.modernwitch.com.
1: Imps are a class of demons that boast large numbers but are the weakest in strength. Imps make for great servitor spirits. They're generally friendly and appreciative of what Malik and I call an honest living. Basically, they'll work for food. Demons and witches have a love-hate relationship that generally comes in one of three flavors. Part of contemporary witchcraft refuses to believe they exist at all. Part of it sees them as misunderstood demigods, and the other camp tends to embrace them as spirits who can be useful allies. When we go outside of witchcraft and into the parapsychological, demons take on a whole different relationship to humanity, one that both fears and respects them. These spirits sport the classic red and black features and are considered to be the working class of the demonic realms, as well as the first peoples of the Chaos Plane. Imps are a lot like a fairy race. Presented features and mannerisms, even temperaments, all could be mistaken for a fairy if you were unable to discern psychically. They're shapeshifters and are generally quite good at retrieving information for you. Once you make nice with an imp, You can dedicate a divination system to them, and in exchange for candles, alcohol, or money, they'll spill the beans. Once I realized the spirit was able to communicate and was actually kind of sorry for making me sick, I thought, what the hell? Let's give this a shot. As I sat in a stone courtyard sipping my sweet tea, I started to ask this stowaway some questions. The first being, can you please stop whatever it is that you're doing to me? Over the course of that chat, I learned that he was a demon, and that he had been conjured up by a practitioner of magic, and then not fed. Imps are easily summoned, and because they can be worked with so easily, they make a great first demon for those who want to work with demons. What I particularly value is that these spirits, like your familiar and spirit guide, grow over time and can be used as an aid in exorcisms and space clearing if you develop a relationship with them. What is it's a little bag made from the skin of a toad.
2: Doesn't matter. She, she's tampering in. Doubt, stuff.
1: Yet in our own supremely rational time, there has been a dramatic rebirth of the ancient arts of witchcraft.
0: You're listening to the Modern Witch Podcast with Devin Hunter. And welcome back to the Modern Witch Podcast. My name is Devin Hunter, I'm your host. Uh, That audio sigil contained a clip uh, from my audiobook for The Witch's Book of Spirits, narrated by James Anderson Foster, uh, who is amazing. I have the guy who did the audiobooks for Firefly, and I think he's just got some other big, like... Anyway, it's cool. It is very cool that, I, that uh, I got to have that experience working with him, and, and I hope he's doing well and he um, is, is kind enough to let me use his voice uh, in little things like my audio sigils for my, my strange podcast. Uh, on today's strange podcast, we have an interview with, an actually, who's somebody who's a show favorite. Um, I have been working and talking to this person for, I don't know, uh, many, many moons, and I have to tell you that Lilith Dorsey is not only an incredible priestess and uh, a practitioner who I look up to, who I've always found really inspirational when we when we talk, uh, when we actually get to sit down and talk about magic, it's some pretty cool stuff. Um, so on today's episode, we have an interview with Lilith Dorsey, and you've heard it before here on the show, you will definitely hear her again. Um, but uh, today, we talk about some, some new stuff, and I hope that you are going to dig it just as much as I did. Okay, anyway, thank you for listening to Modern Witch. Again, my name is Devin Hunter. You can go to ModernWitch.com for all kinds of good stuff. Like, currently, if you're listening to this as things are, are dropping, uh, you can be voting on the Witchcraft and Occult Media Awards, which are hosted by Modern Witch. Uh, we are voting right now, so go. Go go and vote. Voting is important. Uh, anyway, again, Modern Witch dot com. My name is Devin Hunter, and I'll see you on the flip side. Fantastic! Now we're recording. So, oh my goodness, I feel like it's been I don't know a good moon since I've talked to you last, and you yeah, are definitely. you're always like one of the most prolific creators. Like you're always doing something. You're and you're like. You, you're doing a movie and then you've got a tarot deck and then you've got a buck <laughs> and then you're about, you're working with this organization over here and you're always up to something. So yeah. let's start off with a good catch up. what the fuck have you been doing since last we spoke uh,
2: oh you've been busy lady. <laughs> So much, so much. I mean, I'm an Aries, so I think like, you know, Aries represent. Uh, I think that like I just like doing new things all the time. I get bored easily. So like the latest thing I'm excited about is I am the official garden designer for Jazz Fest, which is the largest music festival in the world outside of Glastonbury. So
0: Yeah. So what is that? What all does that entail?
2: Well, this year we just finished, we put in a native plants garden, which was two and a half tons of native plants that were all staged because we don't put anything in the ground. It's all temporary. So pretty much it was bringing in two and a half tons of native plants, trees, shrubs, all of that. And then just sort of being there to educate people about the importance of native plants in their own yards and how important it is for pollinators and the ecosystem and everything like that. So, Um, plus it allowed me to sort of unleash my creative side in a way that I think I haven't been allowed to, you know, I do it in my own garden, obviously. And, you know, for friends and things like that, but to do it and have what I think we got half a million people this year. So to do it in a spot that half a million people are able to see it and sort of just bring that knowledge to them and bring the opportunity for them to connect with the land in that way. That's so
0: freaking cool. That is so freaking cool. I, I, of course, you know, I love plants. Plants are uh, uh, just, they're, they're my buddies. Um, and anytime, see, so why this is like, why I think this is so cool and everyone I'm still waking up. So my brain's a little slow right now. So you're going to have, you're going to watch me have aha moments in real time. Um, but one <laughs> of the things wh- why I think this is so cool is that it's actually like it is magic. You are a witch. You are a very powerful witch. You are doing things and you're in your own way. You're making magic that the world gets to see. Like all these people are going to come and see your work with this garden and you're going to be able to take pieces of it home with them. And I think that's really cool. That's what I've talked about when it's like, well, you don't have to be. A witch creating books and a bunch of other crazy stuff all the time to be like a like a yeah, person a big muckety muck. You could be somebody who's active in your community, doing things like this, spreading magic, being part of the world in that way, and you do it all. So that's pretty cool. Um. So when is so this is this is a big festival. I've heard of I've known about this festival since I was a wee little one um and it's a big deal and i've seen pictures of 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 this event for like since i was a kid so what what is it like to walk in and be part of to bring your magic to something that is this prolific and it, it is this big and it is a well-known event in the way that it is what does that feel like i
2: mean I think it was a little bit of a shift for me, you know what I mean? Because I'm so used to the writer life, which, you know, I'm just sort of by myself and on my own. So working in connection with people was something that I'm not used to, but it was a wonderful experience. You know, I was working with the native plant initiative of greater New Orleans. So they, I've only been here for what now, I think it's three years this month. So, you know, it was sort of relearning every time we move, especially as gardeners, you know what I mean? It's, and and even as magical people, it's the ecosystem is different. So it's like Relearning everything and discovering new things that maybe we didn't know because we're in a different climate, we're in a different altitude, we're in all these different things. So that was a lot of fun. And, and just working with everybody there was so wonderful and so fantastic. And people were so enthusiastic, you know what I mean? So many people had told me they're getting rid of their lawns and they're putting in more native plants and everything like that. And it's just sort of discovering what they could do and showing them what they could do was just a joy. But it was a little bit of an adjustment. I will say, I sat in the sun for four hours waiting for, you know, Carlos Santana or somebody to come by, but
0: uh, Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) it was just, it was just a beautiful thing. You know, like I used to Mm -hmm. perform with Dr. John, so I've actually performed formed a Jazz Fest. So it was so weird for me to sort of be on the other side of things and do something different for a change, you know, which was new and exciting. You know, like I said, I get bored. So doing something different was a joy for me, you know, and uh, just learning about all of that and learning about, you know, I recently, I have a community garden here in New Orleans and a friend of mine just dropped off bees. So I'm so excited. So now I have bees. But no, I think you're right. I've always thought that 100%, you know, about being a magical person isn't necessarily about like, oh, I have the most Instagram followers. It's about what are you doing for your community? What are you doing for the people around you? What are you doing for the younger generation so they can see that this is okay, that this is something that, you know, can help them moving forward, you know? And we mm-hmm. can't take care of ourselves in that way. We're all going to be messed up. So I think this is something that I just sort of wanted to lead by example, too, for the younger people. You know, we got a lot of young people in the garden. I had a one and a half year old. She spent two hours with the watering can and trying to work the hose in her little boots and her little teeny bunny, you know, headphones. So she didn't get you know She was so precious. A little sunflower dress on. I was like, this is why I do it. You know what I mean? Because it really yeah. does transcend age and you know i don't have to write a book with a bunch of big words to get a point across i can plant a beautiful right. flower or somebody who's one and a half water hell know understand that we need to take care of the earth so it takes care of us
1: yeah
0: totally yeah i love that i um here we've just because we've been going through the drought for years and, and we've had an obscene amount of rain which is great but it also killed a bunch of plants because they i, I was not we were not ready for the amount of water we got we'll just put it mm-hmm. that way um but we've had to we ripped out our front yard we our lawn we i replaced it with rock and now we're going and doing the native Beautiful. native plants is the way to go right um yeah. and the thing that really got me was that like we do horticulture and um Anthony Teth who does who runs the uh alchemy works. We were talking about, you know, native basically how like well you probably do have native salvias and native sages and native plants that like you're going to the to the plant store to buy some weird German, you know, type of salvia because you want the purple flower or whatever. But chances are you actually have a native variety that grows very well in the environment where you're at and is actually better for the bugs and the pollen and things that are growing. So learning about that process and learning about, um, I mean, really, in its own way, it is connecting to the the spirit of place right i mean you're working with those local those local things that evolved there that that sprang up there and i think that's a really uh important thing for everybody to be doing like regardless just in general i think we need to get back to that because we've ripped up so much of the earth to put in little green patches um, that don't serve anything at all Um, and so you know yeah I'm totally with you I think this is a beautiful thing and I am not at all surprised that you're doing it at a jazz festival (laughs) it's it's so on you it's so on brand Um, it's totally perfect so you're are you writing now you're I I read you're you're in the midst of another bookie project
1: (sighs) Do
0: as I say, not as I do. Are are we that generation? Or are we doing and working on ourselves just as much as we work on the technology that we crave, artificial intelligence? And the concerns, I would say, were pretty valid. But the interesting thing about that is, is it valid because... That's how we see ourselves. Are we, are we looking at them, but then really seeing us?
2: Yeah, yeah, I just, well, you know, it's a process from when you're done with it and when to it, it actually makes it onto the shelves. But I just turned in a new book on tarot. Um, the title is still be, to be determined. But, you know, it was something that I was working on pretty much. My whole life, I feel like, you know, because I started reading tarot when I was a a wee thing before I even got into high school, you know, and and for me, it's about really understanding tarot on every level, you know, I mean, anybody who's read my books knows that they're full of recipes and, you know, plants and herbs and all of those things. So this is really sort of a holistic approach, almost, but holistic in the sense of like, every single way you can conceive of tarot is in this book. So it's it's really more of a, a everything book about tarot, because I think that it it really started when I was doing a reading for somebody who had a child that was physically and mentally disabled and uh, they were a teenager and and the mom was like struggling with, you know, some violent outbursts and things like that. And I was like, well, they're not really going to understand what this card means. And I'm not even sure she's really going to understand what this card means, but she would understand this recipe or this aromatherapy scent or this musical note or this song or this poem, you know? So it's about understanding it on a deeper level because I think that's how we really unlock the meanings for us. And and for me, it doesn't, you could have, I mean, anybody who reads knows there's probably 500 different meanings for each card, but everybody knows exactly what it feels like when they eat an orange or when they smell a violet or something like that. So that feeling is what that card is for them. So how they can bring that to their readings and their understanding of the readings that they get for themselves and others. So it was sort of like trying to reverse engineer it. It almost in a way so that people would be able to understand tarot on a much deeper and therefore be able to figure out exactly what the cards are, are trying to help them learn and understand and, and grow from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I'm telling people all the time in classes is like, when we go in to do our thing, you know, as psychics, as as readers, as you know, whatever, the, the, the main point, like the main objective really is to get the message to the client and the client's going to come from, like, you know, right here in California, in my store, my clients were mostly um, people from uh, Hindu backgrounds, where we had a lot of people from Muslim backgrounds. Uh, of course, the rich white ladies would come in and do, you know, you know, who, who do I need? What what pool boy butt do I need to pinch this week? Kind of thing. <laughs> but a lot of the times it was, they were people from backgrounds that I did not have. <laughs> And if I were to just come at them with all my witchy shit, it would have completely freaked them out. It would have made my work invalid to them. They wouldn't have received any of that message. So I learned really early on that we have to translate things for them. It isn't about us readers. You, I think you wake up one day and realize that it's not about you as a reader, but it takes a minute to get there. Um, and then you realize like, oh, no, I really do have to deliver this message to this person in a way that's going to help them receive it. It's going to be useful. And sometimes that means referencing things or getting into topics that are so not what you'd expect to do. Right. And so I love the I love this book idea because it is about helping people connect to the, the message, to, to the work that's there. So, along those lines, while it's fresh in your head, before you go write another book, and then we have, you know, then you, I hate that. Do you have that moment where you've like written one book and then you write another book, but then you're asked questions about the book you wrote before that, and then everything becomes a big book mesh? That happens to me. So, before that happens to you, let me let's pick, let me pick your brain about this because this is a really valuable topic for, for readers and for anybody out there, if you're doing any sort of spiritual work with people conveying messages helping them tap into the, the the symbolism helping them tap into the archetypes the power of, of a card a rune a, whatever it is that you're reading what are the things that you find are the most easy to to uh skip the most the things that are easy to overlook in readings when it comes to delivering messages to people
2: I mean, I think the nuances are the things that are hard to, you know, and, and that's I think any good reader knows that, you know, trust your intuition. If it's some sort of strange, weird thing, say that because chances are that's not coming from you. That's coming from the situation. You didn't necessarily bring that to the table, you know, and every time I've done that, it's been really successful. But I, I think that there is a lot of stuff that does get glossed over. I think we have preconceived notions, you know, I mean, as much as we don't want to have preconceived notions of- People, somebody could sit down and front of you and look very well together, phrase my Nana, what he is, but very well put together and that you don't know, they could be going through it. They could have had the hardest life and they just happened to learn how to make themselves look like a together person in that moment, but the history could be something completely different. So I think there's a way to sort of, we have to back away from what it is we're bringing to the table, like you just said, and realize that there might be a whole host of other things that are going on really in the situation, you know, And and the idea for this really came from, yes, it was that the woman I was talking about before. But I was also in a class in grad school about Antonin Artaud and the theater of cruelty. You know, so I had developed a deck called the Tower of Cruelty, which for those of you who are not familiar with it, really has nothing to do with cruelty. It really has more to do with the shock value of magic and mysticism as a whole. So there's ways that we can shock people into thinking things. We can shock. People and do something in But, you know, I, I that, uh, anybody who's familiar with Hodorowsky's work also knows that, you know, his whole tarot philosophy has to do with shocking people and things like that. And he talks about going to a job interview and you might be nervous. So putting, you know, meat in your pocket to sort of distract yourself. And then he goes, or lavender, which I just love that. <laughs> I'm like, put meat in your pocket or lavender, you know. So just this. This way of that there's something strange and bizarre in your pocket, which will distract you from the nervousness. You know, there's, a, it will shock you away from being nervous and anxious in the situation. Cause every time you stick your hand in your pocket, there's me lavender. So it's this way of just sort of, you know, shaking things up a little bit. So we're approaching things differently, you know, and I think that's part of what I tried to do with this book too, was to sort of have it where you're shocked, both the reader and the, the person getting the reading is shocked into being in and reacting to what is actually trying to be dealt with at the moment, as opposed to some baggage from this morning or some fight you had, whatever. If that's not really what's important to the question you're asking, you don't need to have that on your mind or in your heart or in your hands or in the cards. What you need to have in the cards is, situation that you're really trying to find, you know, the answers to or the solutions for or the creative thinking around. And that to me, really, again, is something that's deeper than just something mm-hmm. simple as, uh, to me, you know, you're going to get married, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it. I you, you are a fount of wisdom. Um. So with when it comes to giving readings, because actually, the funny thing is, I think of you as a reader, like I think of you as a, like, in my head, that is really, like, what you do. And that's weird. But I'm like, you know, she's, she's my psychic voodoo queen. She's, like, up here. And then, like, I, I know I can go ask Lilith questions when shit goes down and you know, things like that. You. So it's fun to, like, to have you talking about this with people. Because you really do. You've been reading for uh, – you've read for all kinds of people. You've read for, all, all you know, big oh, yeah. ones, little ones, small ones, dumb ones, smart ones, all of it what are some of the what's the golden thread there between those readings uh regardless of who they are regardless of of the the how they're coming to you what are the those golden threads in those readings as a reader that you've noticed that you've you've been looking for
2: i mean i think that there is you got to meet people where they are, right? Like, so I think that it doesn't matter if somebody's young, it doesn't matter if somebody's old, rich, poor, whatever, there's a way in which they have some sort of actionable thing that they can do to help make the situation better. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get all the things they desire, because those might not be the best things for them, but there's still something they can do. So for me, reading is really a tool to help people get from stasis or inability to have any action and give them something they can do to move forward towards a better place, whatever that is for them in that moment. So I think that, again, it could be somebody young who's dealing with, you know, know business about going to school well maybe they could put lavender in their pocket or maybe what did i used to tell my kids i would tell them you know this is a santo thing we put honey on our lips to make sure we only speak sweet words you know so it'd be like oh it's time to go get the honey because we're cranky and um, (laughs) we need to only speak sweet words to people that we like so there's solutions that people can have that will help them get through these difficult situations you know we all have situations it doesn't matter, you know, life is just a cakewalk all the time, you know, so there's, there's going to be difficult and what tools to do it, something as simple as going to the kitchen or going that we can use to have solutions, things better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, uh, my spirit guide is, is telling me to ask you a question. So we're going I'm just going to do it. Uh, so how do you deliver? And do you have any advice on delivering bad news? Like when it's like, oh, this not only is it like, like bad the person doesn't want to hear it but it's just like honey girl we got to get through some shit before you can get to the other side of this and like we have to have a like how do you go through that process because i find myself like (coughs) taking a deep breath and be like okay so we need to talk about this but like and i try to be as like friendly gay guy as possible when i'm like going into that space you know non-threatening and try to do all (laughs) that because it's it's awkward but so how do you approach like the undesirable things with people in a way that a keeps you from like, you know, getting off your rocker and off your center. But again, in a way that's, you know, people need to hear what they need to hear.
2: Um, well, I mean, I, even when, I think I must've been maybe, I don't know, my daughter was born. So I must've been about 20 years old, which was a while ago. <laughs> I'm not going to date myself, but, um, so, a, a rating for somebody that there, you know, every bad card that you could think of or, or bad, quote unquote, I don't really think there are bad cards, but we definitely know there's problematic cards. Like this person got the tower, this person got a ton of swords cards, you know, and I knew there was some serious difficulties coming up for them, but they were the kind of person that number one would not have been able to accept that information. And number two, from looking at the reading, there was almost nothing they could do to change the fact that something major was going to happen to them. And then it turned out they were, in like this massive car accident the next day. They broke every bone in their body. They had to have the jaws of life, get them out of the thing, you know? So um, in that moment, what I had said was there's some difficulties coming up and I think you need to do what you need to do to protect yourself. But sometimes I feel like it's kind of like final destination. You know what I mean? I don't really think that there's, there's certain things that happen that are negative that there's really no awaiting them. It's more how you deal with that situation and how you get through it the best way possible because none of us are gonna have a life that again is is free of anything. So I do my best to sort of help find solutions, help them protect themselves as much as possible, make sure they have family around them. Um, I remember doing a reading once for somebody The only person I took back in the day, I used to, I mean, and nobody ever asked for their money back, but I just gave her her money back because she was, I think, you know, it looked like she was eight, 11 months pregnant and her husband was cheating with her sister. So like telling her that I was just like, Oh, well, I think maybe your sister's not being honest with you. Maybe your uh, husband's not being honest with you. I think maybe you should protect yourself. You know, like, and again, that was in the beginning. Now I would probably say something very different. I would probably say something along the lines of, um, so how do you feel about your husband? So, how do you feel about your sister? <laughs> and then I would kind of, sort of back end around it, like, okay, you know, do you feel like everyone you is being honest and truthful, and and you know, above board? Are there things you're suspicious of? You know, because a lot of times in readings, there's secrets that you can see or things like that. So I try and let them discover themselves. I tell them that there's things that they need to know, and maybe people aren't being truthful or honest with them, or But, you know, it's happened to me, too. You know, I've been in situations where people were dishonest and stabbing me in the back and I didn't want to hear it either. I've sat there during my reading going, oh, I wonder who that could be. I wonder who that could be. Not realizing who was close to me and I thought would never do that, you know. So I think that there's, but there's, there's more people in the world. You know what I mean? Getting rid of those people who weren't being honest or weren't being truthful or were backstabbing has allowed me to have even better people in my life now, you know? And uh, <clears throat> I remember my godmother said to me once, you know, you might have friends that you've had since you were a child, but you're a different person now, you know, and they're different people too. And you're, not a child anymore. So maybe you need to let go of this person to allow somebody who's going to love and care for your adult self in a way that you need right now, not somebody that you're hanging on to because, you know, you shared popsicles in the second grade or something, not if there's somebody who's hurtful and full to you. So I think that it's really just sort of I point out to people and my God kids have a hard time with this sometime, you know, it's about it doesn't have to be this outcome. It doesn't have to be this partner. It doesn't have to be this friend. You know what I mean? There are other partners for you out there. There are other friends out there. There are other jobs, other houses. We get so, Crowley calls it the lust of result. We get so hung up lusting after a single result that we think is the only way something can offer us. And I think that that's so beautiful to me. That so many times I've let go of something that I thought was absolutely it, but now that I've let go of it, I realize no, I didn't need that. I didn't need that headache. I didn't need that because now that allows something better to come into my life. So I think it's just letting go of this one outcome or this one particular situation that we think we need to have, and allowing something better yeah that's perfect
0: that's good that's that's good advice that's good like put write that down in your book of shadows people you're gonna want that later hey everyone thanks for downloading this episode of the modern witch podcast uh i just want to say thank you so much to my patreon subscribers to the people who are buying merch Everyone involved in that type of monetary exchange is helping Modern Witch thrive right now. You're helping us produce new shows. Uh, You're covering the cost of making new shows and bringing them on so that we can highlight new voices in the community. You are making sure that there are people who otherwise wouldn't have a platform are getting a platform. And it's all just really freaking cool. So if you aren't already part of the Patreon, if you aren't already getting one of our subscription boxes uh, where you can get crystals and plants and all kinds of cool things delivered to you every month, uh, you totally should go to modernwitch.com and find out more about that. Uh, and again we have really great merch I mean some really fantastic merch and it's not just stuff that has like our logo on it I mean sure that exists and you'll look fabulous in it but there's also plus size dresses there are all kinds of really beautiful occult and witchy designs some fun designs for Halloween it's it's pretty loaded so go over to modernwitch.com there are so many ways that you can support us and don't forget a lot of our hosts on the network also have their own Patreons and they also have their own websites so make sure that you also click on their links on our website and go check them out as well thank you so much for downloading thank you so much for your support and don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you grabbed your podcast from Uh, make sure that you give us five stars please that really does help it helps other people know that we are a high quality show um, and that we are producing good content that they might want to listen to as well so hit that five stars Hit that subscribe button and we will be in your ears as often as we possibly can. All right. Back to the show. Um, So let's switch gears a little bit. You are part you wrote a book that was that's part of this award winning series. Uh, So you wrote a book on water magic. You're part of the elemental magic series. And everyone loves the series. It's one of those things. I had to say, I did an eye roll. It was like an elemental series, seriously. And then I got the books. I was like, these are actually really fucking good. I got yours first and I'm going through it. And I was like, oh yeah, Lilith. Cause I was, I knew you were going to knock it out of the park. And so I, I'm going through and I'm like, this is bad. I need the other ones And I, so I got them all. And, and now they're on our shelves and th- surprisingly awesome. Like I just wasn't expecting it. Cause you know, Llewellyn, I write for Llewellyn. I'm just gonna, you know, they have those little those little dinky series and things like that. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be one of those. And it wasn't. It was a really good, grounded uh approach to, to working with the elements in a way that doesn't avoid the spiritual obligations that come along with developing a relationship to things like water, the element of water, and what all that entails. One of my biggest complaints, Lilith as a teacher has been over the years has been uh when we go get into the elemental cycles has been uh when people go get their chalice and then they they do a, a little prayer over their chalice and they're like this is this represents water and i'm like what well, did you take it to a stream did you take it to the ocean have you have you filled your cup up with any uh with any you know running water to to take on the power of the current of the river the or the the torrent of the oceans or no. have you have you gone and prayed to a river goddess have you done it no you know so i was so i'm expecting that kind of stuff that is not what you delivered you delivered something very tasty and and it's something that like legitimate if you are it doesn't matter like even if you are an intermediate and advanced witch you actually can go through and you're going to find stuff in that elemental series that you didn't have before so what let me ask you a, a couple questions about this book so when you were asked to, obviously, you know, it's one of those things, they they knock on your door and say, hey, do you want to do this? And you said, yeah, right. So why were you interested in taking on a book on water magic of all things? Uh, let's, let's start with that. Like when they, when you got that email, why'd you go, let's do this?
2: I mean, honestly, I, I wish I had a better answer, but pretty much if a publisher says they want me to write something, I'm like, okay. Yeah, you know? I mean, I wish I had a more noble answer. Um, I probably would have picked a different element, but I knew water was going to come first. So I liked that idea in this that would help me shape the series because I think there were a couple of things that I would- really adamant about it was going to include that, you know, um, Heather Green was my editor. Heather hadn't even thought of yet. So that was really fascinating to me because I wanted to approach it. I'm also an anthropologist. I wanted to approach it like an anthropologist and include absolutely ever lit about water, you know, and uh, a friend of mine it, joked with me yesterday, they were like, so how did you start? And I was like, I didn't even know how to start because it was it was like, how do I define the shape of water? This is something that like, you know, has so many different shapes and is, is so defined by what container and what vessel it has. You know, the earth is mostly water. Our bodies are mostly water. Our brains are even more water than our bodies are percentage wise, you you know, so there's water everywhere. But yet, like you said, a lot of people take it for granted. A lot of people take it for granted in nature. A lot of people take it for granted. You know, my hot water went out this morning. A lot of people take it for granted in their homes until something goes wrong with it, you know, but it is so important. We can't, you know, I watch all those survivalist shows. We cannot go very long without water. So we better pay attention to it. So once I started that way, it really sort of opened my eyes to how important it was, even though I knew it intellectually, I didn't know it on a full spiritual level, you know, and then thinking about my growing up. I mean, I live in New Orleans now, which is below sea level. I live right next to the canal, which is also, you know, a 10 minute walk from the Mississippi river and maybe a 20 minute drive out to the lake. So, you know, I'm really surrounded by water and, and most of the town is underwater. So it's like, I'm in the city in uh, bay ridge saturday night fever country so actually technically i have a friend who's a Babalawo in brooklyn and he had said to me once when we were driving over the verrazano bridge like he's like i love this spot because it's where the river goes out and meets the ocean and i was like damn i never thought about that i knew intellect actually, but I didn't know it's spiritual That this, is like a space where the sacred goddess Oshun goes out and, and meets Yemaya, the, the, you know, Arisha of the ocean. So it, it's, to me, it was, I always had it there and it was always influencing me. So the fact that I had to write about it just seemed beautiful because it allowed me to explore it. I mean, pardon the pun, on a deeper level, even deeper than I had thought that I had gone before. So it allowed all, all of those things come up it. the other day it allowed me to present it in a way that somebody who's 10 can get something out of this book and somebody's who's 110 if they're still sitting up and reading can get something out of this book and that's really what I want to do for people I don't want to have anything be narrow it's always all the lace and I like it like that
0: hmm yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's definitely something like I said. I was going. I'm like, oh, I never thought of it like this. I don't. so I was learning a whole lot. I've been uh, recommending the whole series to people. And um, by the way, I'm the same way. If if somebody calls me up and says, "Hey, you want to write this?" Hell yeah, I want to write that. So I'm totally <laughs> with you on that. Um, my thing has been like the what. So what I wanted to ask you—you kind of hinted on—was because it was the first in the series. How big of an influence did it end up having on the whole series? Because I know that like. You can have an outline, but then once you sit down and start doing it, that outline can very easily switch and change and 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 whatnot. Um, but but I wasn't like like how did how big of a concept and how flushed out of a concept was it before you were contacted and then you know ultimately once you got in there and started moving with the clay a little bit like you know obviously it became something else. So what influence did you end up having on the whole series or if you're even aware of that?
2: I mean, I think originally it was, she had a pretty good concept. It was pretty comprehensive and things like that. Although I think the section on the water gods and goddesses was not really going to be much of a thing. And I was like, that's to be there because, you know, Llewellyn's a magical publisher and that's what people are going to want to see. <clears throat> And they're going to want to see that cross-culturally. And I think I can do that as an anthropologist, you know, having respect as opposed to putting it up like everybody go appropriate these things. No. But I think it's still important for people to know that, okay, in this culture, this is what this means. In this culture, this is what this means. I think that originally also the creation myths that went in there, that there were so many different creation myths that involved water. So I was really adamant about showing that it didn't matter if we were looking at, you know, indigenous North American or, you know, um, Chinese or Japanese or European or, or even biblical or, or, you know, Judeo-Christian. There was a lot of parallels talking or scientific even when you get down to it, there were all of these parallels about the, the earth and creation being born. Of water. Humans are born of water still. So there was this connection there. So I wanted to put that in. Um, I was also really adamant about, um, My friend Allison has her PhD in linguistics and she teaches linguistics and I wanted to do a linguistic analysis of the word water. And she went back and found that look at, you know, ancient Sumerian and, and, you know, Proto-Indo-European, like there's commonalities with the way the word water is spoken in different languages oh, across thousands of years. So like, that was really fascinating to me. I also really wanted to include, which i like to include others works anyway, you know what I mean? Because I feel like it's it just seems a little arrogant to just have my own voice. So it was really important to me to include things from, you know, my friend Fat Mandy, that's her stage name, uh, <laughs> about the sacred waters of Pittsburgh, because, you know, there's like, it's where all the rivers come together there. You know, I wanted to include something from, Dr. Utu about the sacred waters of Niagara, because they have a ritual drum drum group up there that does offerings and things like that to the falls at Niagara. So I just wanted to have it be all these different perspectives about what water means to people, because and it's not just me. It's not just how I'm looking at it. People are going to have much different outlooks on it, depending on what part of the world they're at. And I wanted to share that just not only to see the commonalities, but to see the differences as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Was there a, uh, a, a creation myth because I I'm obsessed with creation myths. I think they're the most beautiful things that humanity has come up with. Um, and so I I, I love them. I, I I'm always looking for them. And so, is there a creation myth that really stuck with you or stuck out to you as
2: you were writing this book? I think. I mean, I love them all. I love every single one of them. Obviously, I'm part of an ATR, so I, I sort of really adore everything that has to, and I'm a daughter of Oshun, so I adore everything that has to deal with that kind of sacred West African context, you know, coming from Nigeria, coming from Benin, you know, talking about Mami Wada as our sort of proto-grandmother who is present in all water. And I, I just really love that idea, you know, because when we look at mommy Wada out of Benin. She's all she's the water that comes out of the tap in the kitchen. She's the water that's, you know, formed a little teeny temporary pond in your backyard because it rained a lot. She's the water that's everywhere. And that's all of our grandmothers going back throughout time, you know, and I just love that connection between water and the divine feminine and how it's present everywhere. And I love that because I think it, allows us to be connected in a way that especially in the Western world, we don't think we think of ourselves as so separate and so different. And this just sort of allows us all to have this link through the sacred water, through mommy water that touches all of us.
0: Yeah, I love that. Okay. All right. Fantastic. I'm going to, I'm going to have to tell you that it's, I, I would love to see you write more about this very stuff this about connecting to these uh these elements of life that are often you know uh, taken for granted i i think you have such a wonderful and practical rooted experience that is is really useful in a time like these when you know everything is so digital and people are starting to reject that which is really cool to see um but it also you know i'm watching everyone walk around going i don't know what to do now and i'm like well back in the back in my day before we had the internet um we would go outside (laughs) you know so things like that and and having those discussions with people and so i think there's this almost (laughs) i don't want to say rewilding or re um intuiting of of the craft and, uh, and of connecting in those natural ways and i just i love the way you speak about these things and i i just i've always thought you know what Lilith should. Lilith would be really good at this. So, so there's that. Um, but I want to talk about some of the other projects you've been working on before I let you go, because you you also so you had a reprint of a book that I think Wiser had, and now it's with Warlock Press. And so, what was that like? Going from you know, did you get to redo anything? Be, like besides the cover, did you want to add anything? Like I've always thought, if I could take the Witch's Book of Power, I would really clarify. There's like this one part where um i talk about like the witch power being something that's like inherited and it's in our blood but in my mind when i was writing about it i was like you know when we were all in the fertile crescent and we were we there were only like 3000 of us not in the not in the like aryan sense of we are a special race of people kind of way and i would just clarify that so i always think to myself like if i could go back i would just make sure that i was really clear on this one thing and so when somebody gets to have that experience of like you know, pulling and redoing and then putting it out there. I'm always like, what did you fix? What did you tweak? Or did you tweak anything? Or, you know, like, what was this experience like for you?
2: No, it was. I mean, that the main reason I redid it was because it's been out of print for so long. It wasn't with Weiser, it was with Kensington. And uh, it was my first book. And it came out, I mean, I think I was writing at the same time I was in grad school. So around like 2002, 2003, so, a lot has happened since then. That's almost 20 years, you know, to rewrite a book after that. And anybody who has seen the original, you know, my God Kids were opening the new one going, This is a completely different book. So, I thought it was going to be easy. I thought I was going to be done. I could banging out of the park in a few weeks or something, but I really did have to rewrite the entire book. So, and I'm not sad about that now that it's done. When I was in the middle of it, it was a bit like, what have I gotten myself into? I thought this was easy. But um. so, and the other thing was that when it was out of print, it was, I think you can still find it online, but the original was going for like eight, $900 a copy, which I would say for $900, I'll sit on your lap and read it to you because i don't get any of that damn money so um, I, you know i'm not above Seriously. any of that so there's It was like, hey, (laughs) that's where we're at, you know, so, but no, I did change it around. I, I, you know, there's much more in-depth things about finding a teacher, you know, because when we talk about the ATRs, it's really not a self-taught kind of thing. It's not a solitary kind of religion. And and that's because the instruction is so individualized. It's so, you know, the the same way I I have to talk about it in food analogies, you know what I mean? Some people eat peanuts 20 times times a day, you know, some people are deathly allergic to peanuts, it'll send them to the emergency room. So spirituality for me is kind of the same thing. Some people, a certain spell or a certain formula might work for them, a certain tactic dealing with this kind of thing might work and somebody else that could be the absolute wrong thing for them and have like really negative consequences. So I wanted to go more in depth about finding a teacher. I also, and I still get this question, I guess people aren't reading it, but I still get this question almost every day. Oh, I can't find a teacher in my neighborhood. You know, uh, I live in New Orleans now, but before then I used to have to travel from New York to New Orleans, almost a thousand miles to see my teachers, you know, so traveling to see your teachers is not that bad a thing. I mean, if you can't afford it, I gave a workshop the other day, people are like, what if I can't afford it? And I was like, well, did you have your hair done? Did Did you have your nails done? And it got real quiet, nobody wanted to hear that. And I was like, well, you're making choices. You know, I'm not saying you have to choose, you know, electricity or go visit your teacher. But honestly, like if things are really, really bad and you can't pay the electric bill, maybe you do need to talk to your spiritual teachers to see what blocks are there, to see what problems are arising for you. You know what I mean? So I think that just having a different relationship with your spirituality where you do put it. I mean, a night of drinking now costs hundreds of dollars. You know, you get $20 cocktails, you know, what the hell? So like, you can't even go out and have a good time on the cheap anymore. So making those sacrifices, maybe having one less cocktail, maybe having one less night out, saving up and going to find your teachers and be with your teachers and work with your teachers, I think will be more beneficial in the long run than something, you know, that extra cocktail or that extra whatever. And if it's not, then you've made your choice, you know, and and, and that's what your priority is right now. And that's fine. But I think that, that that's something you really need to think. About and uh, it's not the pretty truth that everybody wants to see. People call me a hard ass priestess, but that's that's just the nature. Maybe you know, maybe wait to get that next tattoo, maybe to get that pretty shiny thing you want, you know. And and instead focus on your spirituality because that's going to have more, you know, results in in the long run. And uh, it has to be somebody you trust. Maybe the person on the corner, you know, like if the if the only restaurant in my neighborhood was fast food, I wouldn't go there because it's not healthy for me. It doesn't feed my body. You know, if they could go to somebody who might be down the street, but maybe that person's really crappy, like fast food, and they're not going to feed your soul. So find somebody you really trust and then... Take the effort, the sacrifice, whatever it is to be able to study with them and learn from them. You know, I'm fortunate enough to really love all all of my godmothers that I had two of them are no longer with us. I'm still with Priestess Miriam of the Buddhist Spiritual Temple. I saw her last week. Um, so it's it, it's really like a family, you know, and my God kids who study with me now, it's like a family, you know, and that might mean, you know, people get a little upset with each other, but, you know, we're a family and we just got to get it done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I It's so funny to hear the, I don't, I, I don't want to say the complaints, but the complaints that people have about like studying witchcraft today I'm like, you don't understand how difficult it was compared to how easy it is to access things nowadays. And it's a, and I'm a millennial, I'm an elder millennial, but I'm still a millennial. And so I had that, like, there was no internet, there were internet in schools, then we got internet finally, you know, eventually, and a computer and those things. Um, that's my wake word for my Alexa is the C word. And I keep Activating my Alexa on accident. Sorry about that, everyone. Um, but the um yeah, so you know, for me it was it it, <laughs> it the internet provided a networking opportunity, so we could find teachers, but all those teachers were hella far away. Like there was nobody local who was teaching something that I felt would be good for me, as you're saying. And the only really local teachers that I could find were really creepy gay guys that like They would have not, it would not have been a good situation for me as a young gay man to be in, you know? So there's things like that, that it was like, you know, finding reputable teachers, finding people who had um, experience that was going to be valuable and and who were in it for all of that takes so long. It isn't an e-course and I teach e-courses and we have an, an, an online university, Right. Like all of that, that is real, but even like when we're creating the content, we're still very aware there's some of this stuff we just aren't going to be able to do on, in this platform, it's just not going to happen. And so, you know, it's the, this idea that uh, it's that instant gratification thing, right? I, well, I want to learn it now. And so people are are more willing because of the instant gratification to read a blog post, or pick up a book, which is, again, re- read the books. We need you to read books. They're, they're paying bills. Uh, but you know, they'll pick up something and then get a very light, yeah. you know, kind of, of, of dive into it and then assume that that's what it is. And then move forth with that as, as the truth. When in reality, you know as i can tell you right now as a teacher i'm only teaching you the stuff that i find interesting really i mean i'll dabble into some other things but the stuff that i'm going to be passionate about when i teach you it's stuff that i'm into right same thing for that person who, write the, who wrote that book same thing for the teacher who. so you in my opinion should have multiple teachers and you should be going out and experiencing multiple different avenues and approaches and things because you know everyone's got their pet peeves everyone's got their propensities and it's a really i i just find it really interesting that that we have come to this place i mean of all of all the things i was like people in the craft people in occultism are never gonna and then here we are we're, we're now a bunch of fast food occultists and that's something that really does kind of um yes. chew on me you know it chews on me it's like because we're just and, and i don't want to sound like the old guy Get off my lawn, and it's not because it's not even about yeah. that. It's just somehow the the um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, how, how, most political way of most politically correct words. Somehow the uh, the focus of where we as a culture are investing our energy when it comes to occultism and spirituality on a personal level has shifted. And that's something that I, and I don't think it's for the better. I really don't think it, because I, I think it it disconnects you from a lot of the original points of studying it to begin with. So when, when, you know, when we can talk about something in a deep way and we can invite people in t- to a deeper we keep using the word deep today but into a deeper uh, aspect of of whatever it is right like that it's it's a beautiful thing when you can do that and it's a beautiful thing when it's offered and it's available to people but i'm i it is annoying to me when people are like oh well i have to i in order for me to get initiated i have to gotta yeah you gotta fly somewhere yeah, you got to get a Greyhound bus ticket. I know it sucks. We all had to do it though, like, and we all did it, and we did it because we were happy to go be with people who were like us, and you know, go do, go do those things. And this this shift has has changed us. Um, are there any ways? It's because you, again, you are you're very experienced here. Are there any ways that you're telling people? Um, and you know, as far as the world today and occultism today. Uh, are, are you giving anybody <coughs> advice on how to reconnect, on how to re- rediscover their their magic now that the pandemic is over and we're all kind of coming out of our shells? Uh, this is something that I've struggled with. This is something I'm seeing a lot of people struggle with. So tell me, Priestess Lilith, what what uh, what what is the magic? What is the what is the wisdom <laughs> that we need to help us as we're coming back out of our caves after such a long period of time?
2: Well, I need to be ready, you know, and that's what I was telling everybody all during the pandemic. You know, I have a thing about snakes. I got snakes all over my tattoos and everything like that, you know, and and to me, the, the most brilliant thing about a snake is how it conserves energy. Anybody who's ever had a snake or any kind of, you know, reptile, it's like it'll just sit there and it'll do nothing for the longest amount of time, but then you put food in there, whoosh, lightning quickness, lightning speed, so efficient. So like, it's almost like graceful in how they move to deal with those kinds of things. So we're moving out of that time where we were stillness, where we were supposed to just be happy and joyous and, and find our magic within our homes or our backyards or anything like that. And we're moving out and how are we moving out? And are we moving out in the most efficient way? Are we moving out in the most most highest good, as my godmother would say, with the most highest good for us personally? Are we chasing things that we shouldn't be chasing? Are we going after things that we know are going to be good for us, not just for us individually, but as a community? There's so many things out there that we need to tackle now, you know, that we need to handle, not just just you know, economic issues, environmental issues, all of those things. So when you're taking those steps now outside your homes and in the public, what, where are you going? Like, what, what are you doing? Being more purposeful, I think, is one thing that we learned. Being more purposeful with everything that we do and make sure that it really is worth it. Right? Like, is it really worth everything that we're doing? I, I when I. You know, I used to do so many events and I know, you know, we've done events together <laughs> Devin, and everything like that. And part of me is like, wow, now that things are over and I can do events, I'm still being very choosy about which events I do. And it's not just for my own personal self, you know, aggrandizement or whatever. It's just that I know that I'm not my best self when I do. You know, fight a defense. I know that I'm not having good self care. I know that I'm not. They're not getting the best me. You know, it's like when you have children; they say, "Put your mask on before you put their mask on." So, you know, what's this of? You're caring for yourself. You're caring for your community. You're caring for your own students or your own spirituality, and then you're broadening it out there and going to reach out and find new people. So it's a delicate balance and watching that balance and being mindful of how we're directing our energy now that we can come out of, you know, our shells.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Wonderful. Lilith, where are we sending people if they want to follow up with you, if they want to find you on the socials? How do we do that?
2: Well, I'm Lilith Dorsey everywhere, L-I-L-I-T-H. That's the name my parents gave me. So that's the one I stuck with. Um, You can check out my website, lilithdorsey.com. I am doing a couple of events this summer, so we'll see how that goes. I'm going to be at Starwood, which I haven't been at for, I think, 10, 15 years. So that'll be a triumphant return. And um, I'm also going back to uh, Harvest Gathering, Connecticut, which I haven't been to in probably a decade. So um, a lot of old friends, hopefully some new faces, and I look forward to seeing everybody again
0: very cool very cool well yes it's. I can't yeah I know it's, it's so cool to see all the events coming back and and things are moving again it's a wonderful thing well Lilith thank you so much for taking the time to come on and hang out with us again at Modern Witch you are one of our favorite people to have on the show and everyone just adores uh, your episodes so thank you for coming on and we will talk to you hopefully sooner than later bye everybody
2: alright bye thank, thank you I love all you too <laughs>
0: She's got the riz, as the kids say. I mean, without question. I love me some Lilith. Uh, I, again, you know, she's been on the show before, uh, but she's always constantly creating and doing something that it's just kind of, I don't know. I feel like I should just have her on speed dial. Hey, it's a new season. Why don't you come on the show? Um, I love Lilith and it's because she's got presence and she really walks that magic that she talks. And that's just cool because not everybody does that. And that's not like, I'm not directing that at anybody in particular. I'm just saying that as an observation, we're in a world where it's, it, there's a lot of fake and there's a lot of like fronting and Lilith is not that vibe. And I appreciate that. And so I try to bring people like that onto the show um, as much as I can. And I just, I love her. Okay. I'm going to quit gushing over Lilith Dorsey. Uh, anyway, so you should definitely be going to modernwitch.com if you haven't. Uh, there's all kinds of good stuff. There's also merch and there's some sexy merch. I'm not going to lie. I did a whole, I did, if you're like a horror person, I did a whole like horror thing. Um, um, which is really cute and adorable, and in like a goosebumps kind of way. Um, if you are just wanting some cool, just black t-shirts that say Modern Witch on them, they're there. Everything's super cheap because it's not about trying to like make a bunch of money. But if you want to really just support the brand, if you want to support the stuff that we're doing and uh, be there in that way, that's really freaking cool. And if I see you at a conference and you are wearing Modern Witch gear, oh! It's a, it, it, it's a, it's it's a, it's thing. All right. Anyway. All right. So I, I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I, I genuinely appreciate it. I appreciate your five-star rating. I appreciate you sending episodes that you enjoyed to your coven mates and that witchy chick that you work with who asked you about your birth chart. Like I, I appreciate all of it because it is something that is helping to not only build a community, but shows other people that magic is real and there are real witches that do real shit and it isn't just all like fake. Anyway. All right. So anyway, thank you. Love you. Uh, see you next week.
2: There are forces at work here. Dark, incomprehensible forces.
1: Satyrs Incorporated.